This message is for parents and younger listeners. Just a heads up before you begin listening to the episode, the movie reviewed is not suitable for a younger audience. As always, that does not mean this episode is not safe for the family. We will always remain family friendly. Those scenes that could be considered explicit will not be talked about in detail in this review. Now, on with the show. No. That's not it. Ah. There we go. They didn't ask us. Was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. And now, here are your hosts, Jay Crowder and John Mueller. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. I am your host, Jay, and with me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, John. How are you, John? Hey, y'all. How you... I, you know what? I am making it. It's been a really interesting series of weeks. You can say and, that again. Yeah. Working at a working at a bank, I'm deemed essential. So uh, what, what my bank did, they split us into teams. So it's basically like you work one week on, one week off. And I am in, so I worked one week, I was off an entire week, and I'm working this week again. And it's been such a weird experience. Because it's like an entire week of things happened, and I have no idea what they were. I hate missing days, and I missed an entire week. It's like, it's the weirdest thing to me. Sounds like you're kind of Ross and Rachel right now with your job. You're on again, off again. Did she get off the plane? Everybody's job, I think, it's safe to say, has been a little wacky so far. Uh, Yeah, I'm still working from home. Uh, I am just ready to get out of the house so bad. I'm ready for a change of scenery. Last weekend, I went and washed the car and vacuumed out the car and did it all my like by myself. I didn't take anybody else with me. And it was the greatest 45 minutes of my life. I was like, I don't have to see my family. <laughs> and I can be by myself. And I love my family. But, you know, when you're locked inside with them for 24-7, you reach the point where you're like, guys, I need some separation. We need to take a break. I believe it. I've I've built myself a little like gaming den upstairs in my house. So, I spend a, a decent amount of time, if I'm being entirely honest with you, probably too much time up here. But I mean, Megan and I are are fairly independent people. We each get to, you know, she gets to watch what she wants to watch, I get to do what I want to do. And then we we still spend some time together us and the the pooches. The pooches. The pooches. What's their names They're again? Champ and Parker. Champ and Parker. We call them Champo and Parpar. <laughs> Got their pet names. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like redundant because they are pets. They are pets. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to kick off this show with a little bit of um, a breather. Uh, this is a moment for us to all just kind of take a deep breath and let it out just because of all the stuff that's been going on. So so we're an ASMR show now? Yes. Like I've got some some discounted Easter candy I can open up into the microphone. <laughs> It'll be super relaxing or like really anxiety inducing. It's one or the other. Yeah, it's one extreme or the other. Yeah, so this is just a time that John and I are going to just kind of touch base on like what we've been up to during all of this quarantine stuff. 
because uh, for most of us, we're still locked up and uh, they're really discouraging us from getting out. And so for a lot of us, we're social people. We want to talk to people. We want to be around others. We've had to find alternatives to entertain ourselves. Uh, John, I'll let you kick that off. Okay. Um, so I mentioned how you know, my, my job has been week on, week off. Uh, the week off, I was like, you know, I need to do something to keep on this, you know, nine to five style schedule. Um, so I would get up in the morning and I played Uncharted. Um, I started with the Nathan Drake collection and I played it six hours a day. Now, Uncharted is a PlayStation exclusive, right? It is. Um, the first three games came out on the PlayStation 3. And then, um, as you do when you want to turn a profit on something, uh, you remaster it for the next generation. So it was remastered for the PS4. Um, it was a free game with plus, I want to say sometime last fall. And I had played, I had played the second one, I think. Was it the first? I don't know. I had played one of them through, or I had started it. Uh, but I had never finished it. So yeah, that's, kind that's of a me weird as well. I've, I've played one of them. I can't remember which one. I think it's the second one. That's the one I, I as soon as as soon as I loaded in the second game, I was like, I've played this before, but I knew I hadn't beaten it. So I was like, eventually, I'm gonna get to a point when this is all new to me. Um, I got to that point, and it's actually really embarrassing. But you know, one of the one of the things I try to do is own my uh, stuff. I almost said something else. We are and, a kid-friendly podcast. We we are exceptionally, and I I gave up on Uncharted two because I died. I kid you not, ten times to the final <laughs> boss. Oh my goodness! I could not beat Lazarevich at the end. Like I would do really good until he started throwing grenades, and as soon as he started throwing grenades, I'd have to change my route. And it was just a disaster. So I rage quit and started playing Uncharted 3, <laughs> which is which is a different kind of setup uh, than the first two, at least, because the first two, you largely play kind of like a... Like, you have a, a little team of people. You have, like, supporting characters, minor characters, and everything. But you have a... That group is much larger in three and it seems like the point where I stopped they played a larger role Um, but the problem for me playing them back to back like that is essentially the details are different but the base is the same so they're all going to be an adventure style game when you have to you know do x y and z to find the treasure and it just got really really redundant Mm. Yeah. So, like the there there's a heavy style enemy that wears body armor. Um, they have a helmet. The best way to to kill them is you shoot the helmet off their head and then you shoot them in the head. Um, but in Uncharted Three, they just like buffed them so hard. So I was like, oh, this is the strategy that worked in Uncharted Two, and it did not work in Uncharted Three. So um, they got gotcha. they're a little they did. There are, there are little things like that that you kind of notice from playing them back-to-back like that. Um, but it was it was more of a grind than I expected it to be. And I ultimately uh, stopped, I think, maybe like a quarter of the way into Uncharted 3. Just because 
I couldn't do it. Like I needed something else to do. Yeah, that's kind of the negative, I guess, to playing a game back to back to back to back like that is because they they do they're usually the same kind of game every single time. I think honestly, in my personal opinion, like I've always been a fan of Assassin's Creed, but I feel like that's where Assassin's Creed has kind of failed in the past few years is because they were releasing one every year and it wasn't giving enough time to like miss that game yeah and and say oh hey i'm i'm ready for for a new one for for a different story uh and so playing nathan's story back to back like that you know you're not having that time in between where you're missing it and I think that's one thing I remember um, when, so you recently got Assassin's Creed Origins. And I remember before Origins came out, they uh, Ubisoft came out and they said, we are taking a year off. Assassin's Creed game quality has dropped. Um, it's very formulaic. We're going to take this year off. We're going to reset. We're going to make a dang good game. And from everything that I've heard, they did. Like you were saying, take that time off to, you know, miss it. But you also take that time to reset from the from the dev perspective. Yeah. Um, so one thing that's one of the things I loved about Call of Duty is because they would they had a game pretty much every year, but they would alternate studios. So there was a new Call of Duty every year, but it would be every other year for a, like a continual plot. I mean, it, it used to be that way. That's why like. Um, like COD 4, the original Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, Modern Warfare 3, they came out so staggered, but they were a linear plot. And then, like, World at War, Black Ops, Black Ops 2 is a linear plot. But they didn't come out back-to-back. So, like you were saying, you had that time to to kind of reset and be like, oh, okay, you know, this is nice, but it's different. I want to get back to, you know, the Modern Warfare story. I want to get back to the Black Ops story. And then it would be presented to you. But yeah, I can agree with the Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I mean, a, a lot of the mechanics are the same, but there's a lot more free range, I guess. And then the newest one, uh, Odyssey, I've heard is even more so. Every single thing you do is different um, and affects your character in some way. I'll be excited to see what they do with the newest one. I know that there's still rumor about what that might be, but... I'll be interested to see what it, what's going to happen. I think the running title right now, or the working title, is Ragnarok. So yeah, whatever that the, means. The theory, the theory is Vikings, but I feel like it's very difficult to make a Viking-based Assassin's Creed game when it's like, or you could play, you know, like God of War if you're on PlayStation. Just the the new God of War game has such a such a high critical reputation it's like you know maybe i should maybe i should just do that instead for like a third of the cost of a full price triple a game right um i've also been playing a decent amount of the call of duty br warzone since it's since its release yes um it's something i like it but it stresses me out (laughs) i i want to be better at it and i'm just not I've enjoyed it. I, I've I kind of just play it as like a. I don't get into it as much as you do. I don't think. Like I get on and I play like seriously like one or two rounds and then I just stop because I I don't want to get too deep into it. Yeah. 
But the the games that I've been playing through, I'm almost done with um, Wildlands, Ghost Recon Wildlands. Oh, I love that game. I've almost finished the storyline, and it's getting really good. Assassin's Creed Origins, I kind of took a little bit of a break, uh, and uh, we we have uh, Xbox Live Gold, and I got Project Cars 2 Ooh. for free. And... Um, it's kind of like a, I guess the closest thing that it would be related to would be like uh, Forza. Okay. But it's a little bit different because it's made by, um, I don't know what the proper term would be, you know, where everybody can contribute to it. Oh, I want to say that's open source, but open I don't know. Source. Or like yes. crowdsourcing or... Yeah, it's more of an open source kind of game. Okay. I feel like that's, I feel like I'm using that term incorrectly. Because it's got a lot more customization to it, so like you can you can go in and change all the different settings to make it more realistic, or make it more, you know, easy and just you know pull the trigger and go, type of thing. Um, but I've really liked it so far. There's a career mode on it, and you kind of work your way up through the uh, ranks as far as you know. You start as a rookie and work your way up. So. As long as you don't, you know, use a racial slur on your eye racing, that's <laughs> right. a that's a thing that happened quasi recently. I'm not sure it'll still be a headline by the time this episode comes out, or by the time you listen, uh, you know, the the listeners hear this. Um, but that's a real thing that happened. A, a real like a real life NASCAR driver was doing e like e racing, and like heat of the moment said a racial slur. He got initially he got suspended by his team, and then like then like that was like night of he got suspended. They were like, "We found this out. No, bad. Don't do that." And then like they slept on it. They were like, "You know what? Let's just let's just you know we're gonna we hate to do this, but we're gonna fire you. We can't let you. You know we have to set this standard." I heard about that. So it's really it's really odd to me like as a huge video game fan as a huge sports fan like you know so many sports have gone digital in that sense like um there was a big nba 2k players tournament recently yeah i I remember that too so like it's it's getting much more higher profile i mean it still has real world consequences in that sense so uh i mean for those of you who are who are gamers out there that is something to be aware of People are um, listening. Yeah. And back on Wildlands for you. Um, it's been a hot second since I finished the campaign of that game. Um, but if I'm remembering correctly, there are two endings. Oh, okay. So one you get uh, if you just blow through the campaign and finish it. The second one you get if you 100% the campaign. Wow. So if you beat the side missions and all the underbosses and all the areas fully, if you 100% each area you unlock a different ending than if you don't. And I remember sweating that out to get the ending. And that's mm. all I'm going to say about it. Cause I know we're, I know we're a pretty spoiler happy podcast, but since you're like really excited about this game, I don't want to be that guy. Okay. And I don't remember it. <laughs> so you recommend <laughs> me go ahead and try to 100% each area and then try to finish it. That would be my thought, um, just because it's also like it, it adds more stuff to do, 
and right. I don't th- I don't think you can replay it after 100%ing it and get the ending. Uh, I don't know because I 100%ed it and then got the ending, but I mean that's what I would do because like you were saying, you know, we're we're cooped up, we need stuff to do, so that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, gave me gave me more stuff to do yeah. on my list. That's awesome. So, so outside of uh, outside of gaming, what have you been streaming? Oh, outside of gaming, um, yes. So on Amazon Prime, we started Tales from the Loop. It is really good. It reminds me a lot of Fringe. I don't know if you ever watched Fringe on Fox, but uh, it was a sci-fi kind of X-Files type of show. And um, so Tales from the Loop is a small town up in Ohio, I believe, and they call it The Loop. There's lots of really strange events that occur in this town. And so each episode is a different story, but they all relate to each other in some way. That sounds fascinating. I love things like that. It's very good, and it is very fascinating, but I like it. It's a very sci-fi heavy, like, makes you go, huh, as you're watching it. So I really enjoy stuff like that. Uh, And then besides that, uh, we have... We actually, we were just kind of going through Netflix, and Netflix, you know, with their shows, they're a hit or miss. You know, you're either going to get something really good, or it's just going to be awful. And You're either going to get Daredevil or Iron Fist. There is no in-between. Perfect. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, And so my wife and I actually decided to watch all of the series of Cheers. Huh. So we've started that up. We're still on season one. But for its time, it's actually a really good show. And remind me again, what era was Cheers? Cheers started in, oh gosh, I want to say 1984. Okay. And uh, of course, you know, Cheers, it went for 11 seasons. And from what I've told, or from what I've read, it's one of the top series ever made and then um, it's and then fraser is the spinoff of cheers right okay. correct fraser was a character okay. on the show and he got a spinoff okay so when you all finish up cheers are you going to go into fraser we are actually oh yeah. my gosh you're, you're making the long play we are i mean hey why not you know everybody talks about it you know and it's one of those things that like i've always wanted to watch it but i've never taken the time to sit down and and do it so that's fair yeah what about you? So personally, I know uh, we, we mentioned earlier we're a very family-friendly podcast. Um, I've been getting really into the comedy of Dave Chappelle, who is a... Uh, <laughs> He's a good comedian, is, uh, and his, old, his show was fantastic, too. I, I haven't looked to see if Chappelle's show is, is on any of the platforms, but he has a couple of stand-ups, and he uh, recently Netflix put up, he was awarded the mark twain award for american humor which is kind of like a lifetime achievement award only he's not like super old yeah like that's a really big achievement it was a really really cool um it's almost like a it's like an hour and a half um of of him and a bunch of other famous people in a it's set up it's not a narrative like it's not linear in that sense 
Um, but it kind of bounces around like the places where he started and his influences. Um, and it really tells a really, it tells a really good story of him and just kind of the things that made him who he is. So once the kids go to bed, I feel like that's a really cool thing to watch. Um, Meg and I caught up on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh yeah, I haven't watched the latest episode. So we are, I think, I think we're caught up. I think we're caught up. I don't know. I we might have missed. We might have missed last week's. Um, it's great. I I love it so much. It's it's the type of show when like I watch it and I want to think that I'm Jake, but in reality I'm probably like Hitchcock, you know, <laughs> or Scully. Yeah. Oh man, that's like all the people who watch The Office and they're like, yeah, you know, I want to be like Jim or somebody. Like they think like, yeah, I'm a Jim, and it's like, no, you're a Kevin. Yeah. Like that, that's how, like whenever I take those Buzzfeed quizzes and it's like, you're Jim Halpert. And I was like, well, that's a lie. Yeah. Like I, I, if like, if I'm going to aspire to be anyone on the office, it's Creed. Yes. Like Creed is like, I don't even think Creed was a character. I think Creed was like actually him. Yeah. Like, I don't think they wrote him any lines. They just put him in front of a camera and they said, go for it. I and love like, the, that's, I like the Halloween episode when he's got blood all over him. Mm. And and he's just like, man, good thing today's Halloween. That rem- that no, I'm not caught up on Brooklyn Nine Nine then, because the most recent episode is a heist. Oh, is it really? Yeah, there's a heist episode out. I, I oh, saw. So yeah, I haven't seen that. So one. one of the one of my dirty Facebook pleasures is uh, I should have phrased that better. Goodness, uh, is uh, Buzzfeed <laughs> Buzzfeed has articles that it's like you know the top 31 moments you missed in TV this week. And I read them like every week and it fills me up on shows that I don't watch. So it's like, I keep in the know, even though I have no idea what's mm. going on. And as soon as I saw it, it was like Brooklyn nine, nine is back with this season's heist episode. I was like, scroll, scroll, scroll. I don't want to read this scroll, scroll, scroll. So I tried <laughs> to get to the next show as soon as I could um so i like now that i know i have that waiting for me i'm super excited yeah might be watching that tonight the other thing i learned recently um like most people my age maybe not even most people my age but most people in this day and age uh, i have a favorite documentary and i found out i want to say it was it was this week i found out it is available free on youtube i mean free with ads so it's just going to be like watching something on Hulu, except YouTube ads are skippable. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Sound City. It's by Dave Grohl. So mm. what he did, there's this, there was this studio in, somewhere in California. And the list of people who recorded at the studio is legendary. And what he does, he found out that they, I think they were demoing the studio or something. He arranged to get interviews with all of these like rock and roll hall of fame caliber musicians and talk about, you know, what that era, like when they were recording at that studio, what that era of their career was. And like, he interviews some amazing, amazing people. Um, so he interviews, uh, Rick, Rick Springfield, uh, Tom Petty. I know he interviews Stevie Nicks. I don't know if he interviews Mick Fleetwood or not. Um, but these like, rock and roll icons and then obviously he's dave grohl and then um 
somehow he talked all those people into recording original songs for the soundtrack of this movie. So it's just, it's the only movie I've seen at the Belcourt. And I feel like that added to my initial awe of it, but I've seen it since, and it's still just so good. So it's called Sound City on YouTube. Um, By the time this episode comes out, I will have probably watched it at least once. Might have to check that out. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Yeah. I enjoy a good documentary. The latest one I watched was probably the one about the original creator of Batman. Yeah. It's on Hulu. It is on Hulu. Okay. I was like, I've seen that somewhere, but I've never watched it. It's really good. Because the documentary spans over like, I think like six years. Like, it's pretty wild how much time this guy took making this documentary. But yeah, um, got anything else for us? I've gone really into YouTube. Uh, you and I talked about that a little bit uh, before we started recording. Um, so I'm just now getting really into uh, Hot Ones. Into what? It's a, it's a YouTube show called Hot Ones. Oh, is that the one with, with the chicken wings? It is. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, I love that they have such a, like, they have a tagline. It says, the show with hot questions and even hotter wings. Or it's either, like, hot wings and hotter questions. Like, it's one way or the other. Yeah. And I, who did they have? They had somebody on. I think it was like Rachel Ray or Guy Fieri, who apparently it's Fieri. Like, it's it's so him. Um, and they're like, yeah, no, that's a dumb tagline. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's probably the hot sauce, like, melting his brain talking. But I think, it, I think it was Guy Fieri. And he was like, yeah, no, like, I'm the tagline guy. Come up with something better. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, he said that right to their face. That's awesome. Diners, dines, and drives. Yeah, so I just I watch a lot of YouTube. YouTube is one of those black holes where oh you, gosh, you click to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, and then you realize that like three hours has passed, and you're like, what? Yeah. I've got really into Smosh recently. Smosh has these things called Try Not to Laugh Challenge. When someone sits in a stool. And uh, yeah, like, I've seen and they put the water in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to know how many of those there are? I I have no idea. Okay, there are 44. Do you want to know how many of them I've seen? I'm guessing all 44. 44. (laughs) Like, I have a ranking of like, oh no, let's rewatch this one. This one's really good. (laughs) And Meg just looks at me and she's like, no. Like, we need to watch something. Like, we've seen, we've re-seen this one already. Like, we need to watch something else. (laughs) And, like, I have this ability to just rewatch things. Not like it's the first time, but, like, knowing I'm still going to enjoy it. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people don't have that. I'm a... I'm, you put something shiny in front of me. I'll be good. Put one of those uh, uh, baby play things, like, around you, and you'll just start flicking at it and oh, looking no, at the pretty it, lights. What's it called? A, mo- a, a mobile? Mo- yeah. Mobile? A mobile. So that is a mobile. Mobile is the city in Alabama. I think. I don't know. I could be wrong. Uh, if I'm wrong, you know, uh, uh, let us know. Uh, we'll give you where to contact us at the end of the episode. Yes, so stay till the <laughs> end. Well, pushing on into the news, uh, the first thing that I thought was worth mentioning this week is that Spider-Man director Sam Raimi confirms he will helm Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. I'm so 100% on board with this. Me to like Sam Raimi not only has comic book metal the M E T T L E 
So, like, he's proven that he can do comic book movies. But he's also, like, like he did Evil Dead. So, with Multiverse of Madness supposed to be the MCU's kind of descent into a true horror movie, I feel like that's, like, the person. Well, it's it's funny that you say that because Bruce Campbell has been hoping that he would be in the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. Like, he's kind of crossing his fingers for that. As Ash. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> that would be really cool. Because it is a multiverse, right? Well, and I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. If if Disney wanted that to happen, I imagine they could just, like, sneeze and have enough money to buy the rights to those characters. So Yeah. Oh, I need a tissue. Oh, hey, look at that. It's a it's million, like dollars. million dollars. dollars. Okay, from? yeah. <laughs> yeah and um the only other thing that i had for news um and then john if you had anything you can touch on it too was um all the release dates have been pushed back as you know because of the virus uh which is really unfortunate because it's it's honestly going to make for a pretty boring summer because there's not going to be anything to go see so we'll just be at home streaming uh however well, at the at the same time though how much do you think like so a lot of the movies that came out immediately before the shut i want to i want to call it the shutdown i, I, I think that's, that's appropriate i know that's not like the accurate term but it feels right hey that's what we'll call it on this show so before the, like a lot of the movies that came out before the shutdown got like immediate digital releases so like we mentioned how we saw onward and then like two weeks later it was available on digital right so do you think the fact that that happened is because they were already like done and released or do you think it was like well the theaters are shut down and we already have this movie like well you know i mean the way that you know nothing is actually put on film anymore you know it's all digital anyway you know and they just feed it through a projector that goes onto the screen but I don't know. I mean, I feel like it was already there, and I think they were like, you know, nobody's going to be able to see this in theaters. We might as well go ahead and just release it so that people can at least rent it and watch it from home. Okay. So So that's what I feel. Because what I was thinking was like, you know, if if one of these movies is like actually done, is there any chance that it would get some type of, you know, pay $20 and rent this movie for a day? Well, you know, that's kind of what we had talked about briefly. There was a rumor that that would happen with Black Widow. But Black Widow has officially been pushed back to November 6th. So I don't think that's going to happen. But yeah, there's there's a whole list. The Mulan's been pushed back to the July 24th. Um, Free Guy has been pushed back to December 11th. Eternals has been pushed back to February 12th. Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings is May 7th. Doctor Strange 2, November that's, 5th. That's actually very interesting. They gave Shang-Chi the first weekend in May. It is interesting. They must be expecting that to be pretty big. Uh, Thor 4 has been pushed back to 2022. Speaking along of, with Speaking of, did you see uh, Taika Waititi on Twitter saying that he was giving up film to sew dolls? And then I didn't he post, see that. He posted a picture of the dolls, and they looked like the spawn of Chucky. So everyone in the comments was like, no, no, please, no. And also, those are terrifying. Um, yeah. 
So obviously he was just messing with people because he's still, you know, committed to, to love and thunder. That was such, that was so funny. He's such a wonderful human being. He is. I'd like to meet him in real life. Maybe we can have him on the show. Well, don't let your dreams be dreams. So 2022, the things that have been pushed back to there is Thor 4, Black Panther 2, Captain Marvel 2 is officially going to be released July 8th, and then Indiana Jones 5 has been pushed back to July 29th. Honestly, oh, they could they could keep pushing that back, and I wouldn't care. I don't know that I want Indiana Jones to get rebooted. I just want to rewatch Raiders and The Last Crusade. That's it. Now, Artemis Fowl was going to be coming out this year, and it was going to be released in May, and it's now going to be released directly to Disney+. Plus. I love that. Because those are like those are the young adult books that I actually remember reading. I don't remember them because I read them so long ago, but I remember reading them. See, I never read them. So I remember loving them when I was a kid, which means I would probably hate them now. So I'm scared, but like, I kind of want to go back and reread the first one just to be like, oh no, this is gonna like I'm not gonna like this, or like reread it and then like we could maybe review it on a future episode. I don't know. That would be that would be something, and it's a it's a YA book, so I mean, you and I could probably push through it in a couple of hours. Probably, yeah, I'd be willing to do that. I've heard it's pretty good. I've just never taken the time to, because I think by the time that came out, I was, I was already past all that kind of stuff and was more into like, well, I mean, I think I was still reading Harry Potter at the time, but didn't take the like, time to read Artemis. I feel like that was a shot at me because I'm like a year younger than you, and you were like, by the time that came out, that was beneath <laughs> me. John, I had moved on to Shakespeare by that point. Get on my level. (laughs) Oh, man. No, I think it was one of those things where I think I looked at it and I was like, that looks like a little kid's book. I'm not going to read that. I mean, I don't know. What what grade were you in when that came out? Do you remember? Because I I feel like it was maybe fifth grade for me. Uh, That sounds about right. Because, humble brag, uh, I read The Hobbit when I was in fourth grade. So, uh, it was probably sometime either around then or before. So you went to Hobbit to Artemis Fowl. Or I went Artemis Fowl to Hobbit. I mean, those are both on the table. i tell you one thing. One book series I remember is the Pendragon series. Did you ever read those? Is that about Arthur? Uh, not at all. No. Oh. Um, it's a. I can't even really remember it well enough to describe it. I remember, like you were saying, like you aged out of it. I aged out of the Pendragon series before it was over. Oh, dear. So it was like, well, it was a long series. It was like, I don't know, like 10 books when I stopped. And then I had moved on to um, R.A. Salvatore's books. Mm. The the Forgotten Realms books with, with him. And I was like, oh, yeah, these Pendragon books still exist. But kind of like you had said, uh, I'm I'm done with these. I've aged out of that. I think that's why the Harry Potter series was so good for me, because like it, the Harry Potter series is awesome in the way that it grows up with you. Like, so if you start at a younger age, like by the time you get to the last book, you're probably going to be a lot older and you're going to relate more to what's going on. So that was really cool to, to get to grow up with that. Speaking of which, my son, very proud of him, he just finished the third book. So, 
a lot of people say that's the best book and movie. I disagree. Book wise, on, on I think book or the, movie, um, both. Ooh, this is a contentious opinion. We might have to talk about this more in depth another time. Yeah, we could we could do an episode have, on this. I have opinions more so on the movies because I haven't read the books since they released, which is embarrassing to admit publicly. But oh, you got to reread them. I know, and I feel like we have some of them. I know we have the first one somewhere. Um, so that might be part of my quarantine. Well, we can, is... we can, I've got the, uh, picture version, Ooh. the illustrated versions, one through four. Oh, I four. thought you meant like, like someone did a graphic novel of Harry Potter. I was like, oh, that no, that would be awesome. really cool. <laughs> Cause someone did that for Game of Thrones and I haven't read it, but like, somebody needs to a get cool on concept. that, a comic book of Harry Potter. That'd be awesome. Who did, who did the movies? Was it 20th Century Fox? No, it was it was um, Warner Brothers. It was Warner, yeah. Who is who owns who owns Warner? Or do they own themselves? I mean, it it'd be a branch of AT and T, wouldn't it? Tom Warner, I would think. So yeah, it's it's just its own. So so not Disney for now is what you're saying. Not, I'm hoping not ever. <laughs> I agreed. But agreed. yeah, uh, yeah. For now, it's WB. Okay. I was trying to think if whoever did those movies had a publishing arm, but... I mean, at this point, I think J.K. Rowling would do anything to make a Get little a, extra money. I was about to say, I think she'd do anything to make a buck. So, hey, Rowling, if you're listening. What if she was? And she, like, like tweeted at us something. She was like, yeah, I'd be into that. I'd be like, oh, dang. You know, we got some internet clout just then. Yeah, for real. Get some big audiences up in here. That'd be awesome. Yeah, that'd be intimidating. Well, should we move on to the main event? Um, I'm just going to throw in there um, just minor minor uh, PlayStation news. So Uncharted 4 is the free game for April on PlayStation Plus, which uh, pre- in previous episode I ranked as one of my two best games of the PlayStation 4 on reputation alone. Uh, so I'm really excited to be getting into it soon. And they announced, PlayStation announced recently to recording, again, probably uh, a week or week and a half, whenever you listen to this, um, that the Nathan Drake collection, which is the remaster of 1, 2, and 3, is coming back to be available free as part of the, like, I th- they had some, like, kitschy name for it. It was, like, Play From Home or one of those types of things to encourage people to stay home during during quarantine and so so one through four are going to be available for free on playstation for the month of april and if that's not something to get really excited about then like as a place as a playstation person if i didn't already own these games i would be all over that so that's the the last thing i have perfect well, guys, the main event this week, we actually did a movie that you will be able to stream from home. We chose a movie that is currently on Netflix um, so that we know that most people have Netflix or have a way that they can get to Netflix. You can just borrow somebody's, you know, password and everything and get in there. Legally, we cannot endorse that. I do believe officially it is a crime. Okay, well, I'm not endorsing it, but I'm saying... You can do that. 
I don't recommend it, though. Wink, wink. <laughs> I was about to say, if you're just winging into the camera, the microphone isn't going to pick that up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so we chose Snow Piercer, which was a 2013 movie. Uh, it starred Chris Evans as Curtis. And, um, yeah, it's a rated R film. Very. So, um, and it's rated R for violence, very intense violence. And then also and, just some gruesome images. And, um, throw, throw drugs in there. Drugs and language. Yeah. Heavy uh, drug are also, use. Are also R rated in this. Yeah. So, uh, definitely, you know, sometimes you can get a rated R film and you say it's not for kids, but you're like, they could maybe, if they're a little bit older, could watch it. This one, though, I would definitely say no. I would, as someone without kids, um, my only experience with kids is being one. And I would say it's definitely a watch first. Yes. So it's definitely a watch first and then make that, des- like, I would say it's a watch first and make that decision yourself. Yeah. Because That's my fair. theory, again, as someone who doesn't have kids, so my opinion ultimately doesn't matter, is you know your kid best. That is true. So definitely watch the movie. Um, one of the things I thought of as soon as those credits started rolling, I was like, I feel like Snowpiercer might be one of the best movies that people haven't heard about. I would agree. It was... Um, I'm going <laughs> to... No, uh, pun intended. Just, just embrace it. I was expecting a train wreck. <sighs> you loved it. I, I did, was expecting. But I was expecting a train wreck. I got a train wreck. We need to explain why that's a pun first. Because <laughs> you and I think that's hilarious. But for people who don't know, I'm going to give a, a a basic synopsis of uh, Snowpiercer. So it's a 2013 movie. Um, it's science fiction, um, and in the movie, uh, in 2014, so one year in the future, um, there is just like irreputable, sorry, irreparable climate change. The world is too hot. They have to do something to try to fix it. So what they do is a bunch of countries all get together and they launch like a chemical into the atmosphere to lower the earth's temperature. And it does but it lowers it too much. So it's they call it Earth's second ice age. And the only people who are alive on the planet are the people who got to this one train that has a track that circumnavigates the globe. So the the train, I think I think the train is named Snowpiercer. I don't know if that's ever confirmed or not. Yeah, I don't know if they ever actually say the name of it, but yeah, it's uh made by um Wilford. Yes. Um, yeah, that was a really weird thing about it. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so it's one guy made this train. And then, like, before all this happened, he had this train, like, ready to go. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, pretty convenient. Um, but you know what? It It all worked out for him for 17 years. So that happens in 2014. They start the Ice Age, and then the events of Snowpiercer happen in 2031, so 17 years later. 
And, and then during the course of the movie, they actually hit 18 years. They do. They do. Um, so we mentioned Chris Evans. Um, the the makeup of the train is pretty straightforward. Um, the The first class of Citizen is where the first class cars of the train would be. So they're, they're more towards the front and the um, lower end of the socioeconomic scale is on the tail end. And then the kind of the plot of the movie is Chris Evans leads a revolt from the tail end and works his way from the back to the front. Like that is his goal. He's like, I'm going to work my way from the back to the front. And it's just kind of seeing that unfold. And then if you want, well, I guess, I mean, we can't be true spoiler free um, since you're pun. Um, But (laughs) that is a, that is a synopsis of a basic plot. And then after right about, I would say now we're going to be um, pretty spoiler heavy. Yes. And uh, the movie starred actually quite a, it had a pretty star-studded cast, I felt like. Um, you had Chris Evans, Ed Harris, John Hurt, uh, Tilda Swinton, um, Octavia Spencer. Let's see, who else did... Oh, Allison Pill was in there. I recognize somebody, but I didn't know from where, so I'm looking him up. Ewan uh, Brimner, I think is how you pronounce his name. He was I Andrew. Think so. I See, I recognized him, and it took me like two-thirds of the movie... To be like, oh, that's that goofy guy from Black Hawk Down. Well, he had the crazy hair and the beard and a missing arm, so... He almost he almost was like Napoleon Dynamite in yeah. an apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of wished it had been John Heater, just because it would have been like... Because like, he's known as Napoleon Dynamite. And it would be such a, you know, mind warp to try to see him as something else, but it was mm-hmm. not John Heater. It was you and Bremner. And, um, but yeah, so this incredible cast, um, and then in this very just odd premise of a movie where it's basically the socioeconomic classes that we have in America, but you have the extremely rich down to the poverty stricken, you know, almost homeless where they're living and, just these awful conditions. But Chris Evans, who plays Curtis, he was just tired of it and really? leads this revolt, the, this revolution, which over the course of the 17 years that they had been on the train, there had already been like, I think they said two uh, groups of people that had tried to lead a revolution, but none of them had gotten as far as he has. But, uh, I also wanted to interject, uh, while we talked about the strength of the cast, did you catch who directed and I think produced and wrote this movie? So I'm gonna I'm gonna pull him back up because I know like the first and third okay. So his name yeah, it is was, Bong it was Bong Joon Ho. Bong for a second I thought it was Boon Jong Ho and I was like, I wanna make sure I get this right, but it is Bong Joon Ho. Recently he recently directed Parasite, which won four Academy Awards, including Picture and Director. So a future Academy Award-winning Best Director directed this movie. I want to throw that in there as well. And he, uh, man, was it, it was something. (laughs) 
it was something it, it honestly during the movie i was like you know this kind of reminds me of the day after tomorrow um and so it was like the sequel to the day after tomorrow <laughs> that day that happened after that movie the day what after would, tomorrow was what would you call that like if there was a if there was an actual sequel to the day after tomorrow what would you call that <laughs> would you be like the day after like so it'd be like tomorrow's tomorrow like the t- like tomorrow's the day to- after. like the day after the day after tomorrow call just go friday style or you could just go up a step and just say the week after next yeah that's it let's just do it friday style work for them yeah it was uh but overall i, I really enjoyed it 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 was interesting to see the progression through all the different cars um and then also like the way that they did punishments Oh my uh, gosh. Like the one guy threw a shoe and it hit somebody in the face and so they were they had like this chart and they looked at the chart and they're like at this elevation um he would freeze at th- in this amount of time. No, and they so didn't. what what got what got me was they said we only need 7 minutes. They didn't say what they needed it for. Right. But then as as they, you know, they lotion up his arm and they put a little like steel clamp on it and i was like well this is probably not going to end well and then they opened up a hatch to the outside the same size as the steel cuff they put on this dude's arm and i was like oh no this is definitely not going to end well Mm -mm. because they did the math and they they said you know it will only take seven minutes for his arm to freeze which was and that's how this movie starts yeah yeah, that really was like opening scene, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Like that set the tone. Like I I so I was watching I hadn't turned the light on in the room. I was watching it in the dark and I looked away because I was afraid they were going to show his arm shatter. And they <laughs> they didn't. Like they show the the hammer coming down and then they cut to Chris Evans and you hear it. Yeah. And then by the time they cut back, you see like pieces of the guy's arm on the ground but they don't actually show it yeah and I was it like, just oh this is gonna be one of those movies and it just looks like pieces of clay yeah shattered clay on the oh ground gosh yeah it's it's nuts but it i just enjoyed seeing like how the because it's really cool because they really did a good job of answering the questions that you had from the very beginning they had a good job of or he they did a good job of answering those along the way so like you know like at the beginning i was like well how do they do water and how do they feed them and where does the food come from and all this other stuff and they answered those questions as you went along along this train so i really enjoyed that part of it too but then kind of the thing that like really sparked this from the beginning sparked this revolution was one uh, two of the kids got taken away mm-hmm. and it was one of those things where it was just like they had just had enough they yeah. were like okay this is it like why are they taking our kids away well and they, so had that been, was... they had been building to it they were like you know are we gonna do it now and chris evans was like no we have to be patient we have to time this right and then they took the kids and chris evans basically was like let's do this leroy <laughs> jenkins yeah he did. He he really, he was like, yeah, this is it. This can't happen anymore. Like, I've had enough of this. And then, 
off you go, you know, and John Hurt was kind of the, um, the leader, I guess, of this, like, the, the back of the train group. Yeah. He, he was kind of their, their appointed leader and he had several missing limbs. So, you know, from the beginning, you kind of look at it like, oh, okay, he's, he's obviously thrown a lot of shoes. <laughs> so, uh, that's kind of your initial thought. And then you find out that, uh, later on, it's actually right at like the last, like maybe 15 minutes of the movie, you find out that Chris Evans was one of the original people that was put on the, uh, you know, that arrived on the train. And for, I think he said, did he say months? He said, all right, so this scene messed with me emotionally. Oh my gosh, it was crazy. Any scene of any movie that I can remember immediately. Like, obviously, there have been others that have, you know, had, had, bigger impacts but this one since i mean i literally just finished watching this movie and we're recording so so the scene of this movie so chris evans is at the last door right he's at the last door to the engine and wilford and he can't get the gate open and he breaks down talking to um the security expert they broke out at the beginning i don't remember his name um and he's he's broke he's breaking down. He said, you know, we got on this train, the soldiers took everything. So immediately there's just thousands of us in these cars and um no food, no water. Which don't you die after like three days if you don't have water? Like mm-hmm. isn't that just a physiological fact? Yeah. So anyway, moving past that, um he was like after the first month, we ate the weakest of us. And I was just like, oh, oh no. If that's where this starts, this only gets worse. Mm-hmm. And he's he's having like a breakdown telling the guy this. He says, I'm ashamed that I know what people taste like. And then he goes, and I'm ashamed that I know babies taste best. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Yeah. That's a sentence that I could have lived my life without hearing. (laughs) Yeah. So he tells this story that, you know, people would, I mean, they would, obviously they would just be eating babies. They were like a delicacy for the tail end of the car. And it got to a point, Chris Evans says, you know, there was this group of men with knives and there was this pregnant woman, or there was this woman who had just had a baby and they killed her. For the purpose of eating her child, which is, I mean, don't get, this is like multiple levels of messed up, right? This is like not one level of messed up. This is like descending into madness. Whole new level. And Oh my God. A whole new level. Uh, I'm never going to sing on the podcast again. So he tells the story and he goes, we were about to eat this baby. And then an old man shows up out of nowhere, no relation to the woman says give me the knife and he was like all right you know this old man's gonna kill this baby and then we're gonna eat it and then the old man cuts off his arm cuts off his own arm and says eat this spare the kid and then it's just like oh okay and then he goes yeah that that old man was john hurt so it kind of was just like, yeah, you know, we had various people from various times just cutting off limbs so we wouldn't eat babies. 
Like, that is a sentence that happened in this movie. Yeah. And I was not expecting that. No, it got right when you think it could not get any darker. Oh my gosh. It just, it gets so much worse. It's like staring out into the void of space. Like, that's how dark that was. Yeah. Well, a black hole. Sorry, black hole. There are stars in space. It's not that dark, but like absolute dark. Yeah, it was awful. This is a complete tangent because this is how my mind works. Wasn't that a thing that happened a couple of years ago? Like some lab in Europe was like, we've created the blackest black. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, wasn't that a thing? Yeah, that was a thing. And when I looked at I remember when I looked at it, I was expecting something completely different than what I saw. Right? I was like, that's just black. <laughs> and then the lab is like, no, you have to be here. Like, it's one of those, like, it's like a hipster thing. They have, like, one of those long cigarettes, and they're just like, no, you have to be here, man. Like You had to be here to, <laughs> to really experience it. So, yeah, the creating the blackest black is what that scene did for my heart. It uh, did. It was it was intense. And it, and the reason why we say you didn't think it could get any darker is because first off you I mean you they leave the back of the train. The first thing they come to is like the they they were being fed these protein bricks that looked like gelatin. And then you see that it's not protein but it's cockroaches. Well, I mean it is protein. It is protein, yes, from a right. From a nutrition standpoint, but it's not like they were, like, throwing T-bones in there, like... No. <laughs> they were it, harvesting bugs. Yeah, it was nasty, and so it starts out with that, and you're like, oh my gosh, and then you see, like, the next car, and, and it just keeps going and going and going, and you're just like, what is happening? This is insane, and then, like, even... Even in this high society, though, like you, one of the most twisted parts to me, besides that last scene, was you see their school. And their school on the train, they're just completely brainwashing these kids into, like, basically worshipping this train and also worshipping Wilford for creating it. And, uh, and then they're talking about just, like, the classes of people and how just how messed up the lower classes are and and then i don't know it was just it was something else the they had a they had a phrase i can't remember like i can't remember it verbatim but it was very um i'm trying to think that there's a religious term it's very calvinist with the sense of uh predestination oh yeah in the in the in the vein that you know everyone has a has their place and this is your place and the the line i think that's ultimately going to stick with me or hopefully hopefully going to stick with me the longest is um chris evans character like the he finally gets to the front of the train he's talking to ed harris who is who is wilford and wilford goes he does that same spiel he goes everybody has a place you know the the tail end belongs in the tail end the front end belongs in the front end and Chris Evans character goes yeah that's what the front end likes to tell the tail end and I was like yeah that's definitely something like that's a perspective to be aware of yeah it's like that's that's always something the haves say to the have-nots yeah is like you know it's it's like it's the everything happens for a reason of of uh like classist philosophy 
And it's like, yeah, that doesn't help anything. So I'm hoping that's the line that lasts with me the longest. Uh, I'm hoping it's not, and I know babies taste best. Because I want to forget about that scene as (laughs) fast as I can. (laughs) Well, and... um... So yeah, so you get to just see just how really this whole train is just completely messed up. You know, it really doesn't matter which end you come from. At some point, there was some pretty dark stuff that was happening. But we finally get to the end, or rather the front, and um, we... That that was funnier than the train wreck thing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. I'll be here all week. Um, and so we get to the front of the train and we finally meet Wilford and he's basically like, Hey, he's trying to trick Chris into, or I did anyway. I felt like he was trying to trick Chris into Chris Evans into taking over the train for him and saying, Hey, you're the next one to step up and take over because I'm getting old. Yeah. So first of all, before that, uh, before that conversation happens, Wilfred goes, oh, yeah, this was a plan from the beginning. John Hurt, that guy who was, like, your mentor and the person who, like, taught you how to do all this stuff, yeah, he and I are bros. We've been planning this from the beginning as a measure of population control. And I thought, because one of the things John Hurt said, he was like, cut out his tongue. Don't let him talk. And I was like, yeah, that seems like a rational thing for, you know, a a rebellion leader to say about a smooth-talking you know, upper class supremacist, like class supremacist. Is that a thing? I feel like that's a thing. Um, in the, in the moment I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then when he didn't, I was like, oh, that's one of those, like, like, yeah, I'm a smooth talking villain. I'm going to say this, this thing and I'm, I'm going to get you to believe it. And I was like, that's not true. And then it was true that John Hurt and Ed Harris had been working together from opposite ends of the train to keep the environment sim like to keep it as it is. Yeah. Like John Hurt had orchestrated all of like he had orchestrated all three rebellions from the back of the train as a measure of population control. Yeah. That like I'm really upset that I didn't see that coming. Yeah, it was a pretty big twist for sure and then as you were saying ed harris in the wake of that after shattering everything chris evans believed in right so he breaks him down to nothing and then he goes the reason that you're here is because i want you to take over the train and i'll be honest with you for a couple of minutes i thought he was going to i thought he was too that the way he just stood there that, in the middle of the engine and just kind of looked around like it totally looked like he was about to just go, okay. Like, that's the ending I expected. And I feel like that still would have been such a satisfying ending. To be completely honest, I think that would have been a better ending than the actual ending of the movie. In in my personal opinion, he's standing there, he turns around, He doesn't even he doesn't say yes or no. He just turns around and he looks back at Ed Harris, cut to black, roll credits. I think that would have been a yeah. great ending of that movie. That would have been really interesting. Yeah, it would have been like it would have been like Inception, you know, does the top stop spinning? 
you know, what did he say? Did he say yes or no? Like, did he kill him? I don't know. Because when you, when you cut to black like that, anything can happen. It's ambiguous. It's great. People talk about it. But yep. that is not how the movie ends. That is not. Instead, we... The, what we discover is, along the course of them trying to get to the engine, uh, some of these druggies that had been following the main character, uh, Chris Evans or Curtis, had been following him the entire time. He was the one that was opening all the doors, and he knew a lot about snow. And what he had ob- observed while traveling through the train was that things were changing, and that the snow was no longer the same and there was more of like he said there was a plane that he looked at every year that they passed the plane and all he could see was the tail and this year he could see almost the entire plane and so he knew that one one shake of the snow would would move it all and and a lot of the it's just top layer snow just sitting there and once it's gone a lot of it would be a lot of life would be able to return and so he doesn't want to open up the door to the engine room he wants to open up the door to the outside so that they're all able to get out because he knows that they would all be okay um and so that's what ends up happening he ends up okay Sorry, okay. I know. Again, yeah. like I said earlier, the wink wouldn't have wouldn't have worked without saying it out loud. Air I just air quoted real hard. <laughs> okay, yeah. So he blows it out, and boy, are things not okay? Because nearly all of the train dies because the snow causes a huge. The explosion causes a huge avalanche. And knocks the train off the track. They all go falling down a huge cliff. And then the front of the train crashes through a tunnel. And then next thing you know, the only ones that are still alive was... Or at least as far as we know is uh, the girl. I can't remember her name. She was... So she was the daughter of the security expert that they rescued from the prison car and i was wondering kind of what her deal was except that she was like clairvoyant to an extent like she had very very limited foresight like as soon as they were about to open a door in one of the cars she was like no don't open that but by the time she said it the door was open and it was like yeah this would have been great 15 seconds ago like (laughs) let's let's work on that i mean it worked for the narrative but like come on let's let's fine-tune this ability a little bit more but the like you were saying, she and one of the kids that the front of the train kidnaps at the very beginning are the only people confirmed to be left alive. Oh, yeah. And that was the other thing, too, is that the reason why the kids were being stolen, um, I honestly, after him talking about the cannibalism, I was like, did they eat the children? That's what but, I thought. Ed Harris but, was, he was cooking this steak, and I was like, please tell <laughs> yes. me that steak isn't Timmy. Yes. And so that's not what happened, though. They were using the children to... That's part of the reason why the train was able to function as long as it was, is because they were using the kids as part of 
the pieces where the kids were actually having to like reach in and move, you know, like remove certain pieces and like garbage from the line and stuff like that. It Jeez. Was, that aspect of it was so much better than I expected. Because as soon <laughs> as soon as the cannibal conversation happened, I was like, oh my gosh, they're eating those kids. Like, I was terrified. And yeah. then that ended up not being the case. And I was like, I've never been more relieved for child labor in my life. Like, <laughs> Yeah, right? That, you're like, oh my gosh, that's the best thing that could have happened to those kids. Anyway, that was Snowpiercer. But at the... All right, so... Sorry, one more one more quick thought. So the movie ends with this 17-year-old girl and this, like, four-year-old boy walking out into the snow in the wilderness, and the only thing that they see is a polar bear. Now, I have a different perspective than most people. Most people, I think, are supposed to see that and think, oh, so there is life. But I see that scene, and I think, oh... They're going to get eaten by that polar bear. <laughs> like, there's yeah. there's no hope when I watch the end of that movie. Yeah. It was like, all of those people on the train are probably dead. And the only two people left alive have no supplies in the middle of the tundra. So it's like, this has a very unsatisfying ending in that sense. Because it's like, he fought so hard for this idealistic thing that ended up not being the case. For nothing. Well, Everyone I definitely died. think I really think it was kind of that sign of, hey, look, life actually does survive and it thrives yeah. and it lives on. But I mean, yeah, that, that's definitely what it was supposed to be. But yeah. like I said, I'm just a wired a little bit different from most people. I think to to fully communicate that message that you're saying, there should have been like uh, instead of a polar bear. They see like, um, what's the what's the accurate term for them? A first peoples group. I think officially like Inuit or Eskimo is frowned upon now, so I think it's first peoples. Oh, okay. Uh, is is what they're called in Canada? Like so, see them come over the mountain. Yeah, I think that would have been like if you want to end this in like, what would that be? Law like lawful good. Yeah, that's how you end it. Yeah, I could see that, but. That does not fit the rest of the tone of this movie at all. No. I mean, honestly, the ending that I posited before, the one where Chris Evans turns around and it cuts to black, that kind of fits the tone of this movie. It really does, because then it kind of leaves you to question, okay, did he make a good choice or did he not? You know, because at the same time, like, he could have taken over the train Mm -hmm. and then made everything right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or he could have realized this is reality and he could have kept on keeping on with the type of classist, like, you know, the back of the train's the back of the train, the front of the train's the front of the train. He could have realized this is the way things have to be. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see, like, the way his character was done and the way he performed the character... I could see that being a conclusion Curtis could have gone to. Like, he seems like he could be greatest good for the greatest number, bite the bullet in the end of the movie. He was not that character. Um, So I feel like that exhausts kind of our plot recap and our reaction to the plot. 
Um, so Jay, what other, what other reactions to this movie do you have? Well, you know, just kind of off the top of my head, the first couple things I was like, so you're telling me that this train has been able to survive and move for 18 years and the track has never had any major issues. That was my first question. Mm-hmm. Very valid. Um, because that would be something that would really put an end to this movie very quickly, you know? Because <laughs> honestly, you get like maybe three years into the year-long train, you know, track, and then the track would start to mess up a little bit, and then you have a major accident. There's there's a second train, but it's just Buster Keaton from that silent film, The General, and he's having to, like, throw railroad ties at other, like, to get obstructions off of the train. Have you seen <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah. Okay. That would have um, been, that's funny. Again, and then, my brain's uh, wired different. That's what I thought of. Let's see. And then the only other thing that really didn't make sense to me is I was like, if it's that cold and people are freezing and everything's freezing and, and nothing's working, how is the train, like, is it because that the train is always moving? It would, it would have to be like that's the reason why it doesn't freeze it would have to be because it's in motion and the wheels generate heat so it stops the wheels from freezing that's again i i agree with you that's the only thing i can think to to rationalize that but yeah other than that i mean that's really all i had that that was the only thoughts i had that kind of bothered me from i mean a, it was just a very twisted movie <laughs> i agree one one thing that stuck out to me was so tilda swinton's character is kind of like a go-between for the front of the train to the back of the train. Like, whenever someone needs discipline or there's some type of speech given, Tilda Swinton's character is the one that gives the speech. They capture her after much bloodshed. Lots of people died very quickly. But they capture her, and in an effort to convince Chris Evans not to kill her, she takes her teeth out. Yes. And that is never addressed again. It isn't. Like it's yes. not like it's not like Skyfall when he takes his te- again spoilers for this movie that I love dearly. Um he takes his teeth out and it's this just incredibly impactful plot moment of that movie. She takes her teeth out and like says a line and then it's never addressed again. And I was just like what was the point of that? Yeah, I caught that, and I and I did. I kept thinking, okay, is that going to come up again? Like, maybe that means something? Yeah, and then it never did, or at least not that I saw. The only thing I can think of is maybe she was just kind of showing him that, hey, I'm, I'm vulnerable too. Like, maybe I'm not perfect. Maybe that's what she was trying to say? I don't know. But then my other reaction to that was, if you're going to have fake teeth, why would you not have perfect fake teeth yeah like i have yeah because she even she had like a a filling like a gold yeah cap on her she tooth, had like, she, she had a fake tooth inside of her fake teeth huh like that yeah. also like cause, i don't know weird. but it, as soon as that happened i like i thought she was gonna pull out the gold tooth and try to like bribe him with it because he's old enough he has an idea of what gold is still so I was like, oh, she's just going to pull out the one tooth. And then she pulled out her entire, like, upper teeth. Top row of teeth. Yeah. 
and I was like, one, that's messed up, and two, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> yeah, like it was never addressed again. Uh, so that really bothered me. But from a uh, from a critical perspective, uh, one of the other things that I didn't understand. So there's this gunfight. Like, I don't know. What would you say? Like two thirds of the way through the movie. Are you talking about the one where they're standing on opposite sides of the train? Yes. And they're going around that turn? Yes. Yeah. First of all, a couple of logistical questions about that. So, it's so cold, right? It's, like, apocalyptically cold. Mm -hmm. Uh, Why is there glass that they can shoot through, first of all? (laughs) Right. Uh, Second question, why would you? Because it's apocalyptically cold. Mm -hmm. Uh three are these like the best marksmen in the history of the planet hitting all of these shots with incredible regularity with a fairly basic ar and a scorpion like v2 it's not a good gun all right no not at all like i have a very approximate knowledge of these weapons and i know one of them is much more likely to do it than the other one but still very unlikely Yes. And number four, the fourth problem I have with that one scene in this otherwise excellent movie, I'll say it, uh, is how long is this curve? (laughs) See, that was the question that I had. I was like, okay, how this this turn, like, I feel like at this point they should be they'd be going back the way that they just came. Yeah, because they just kept turning. They had like a three minute standoff. In this precise curvature. And it was like, no, you're going to exist in that specific moment for, I don't know, maybe 10 seconds if you assume it's a very sharp curve. And at the same time, a a very fast train, a curve that sharp in a train that speed that long. There are other logistical problems with that. I was like, are they not just going to like wheel up onto the side and maybe fall off the tracks at that same point in the track every year? Like it's that scene. I feel like should find a way to be taken out of this movie. Cause in my opinion, it does make it like that scene is so bad. And it really doesn't add to the movie either. No, Because like the very next scene, he's like in the next car yeah. with him. Like, he, he's all of a sudden the Flash, and he has super speed to be, yeah, like you were saying, he's like half a train away, and then the next scene, they're like, oh, we have to open this door right now, he's right there. Yeah, they're I'm in the sorry, steam room or whatever. But, like, take that scene out of this movie, and it improves the movie. Yeah. I, I very rarely say that about movies, especially movies that I do think are very good. Mm-hmm. But that is that is an opinion that I have. I agree with you there. Yeah, because the very next scene is them in the steam room, which I did like that fight. That whole fight scene was good, although we lost you lost a lot of people in that scene. Of course, then we end up losing the was, entire train. So I was not expecting the death toll of that scene. I was not either. Like I was expect. I, don't get me wrong. In an apocalypse movie that you expect maybe like four people live. That's just kind of the, that at least I do. I, I kind of expect low survival, but I was not expecting no survival. Yeah. Like these, these 
this one guy, I don't even know if he had a name. He was just like the, the ace in the hole that the tail end had. Like he would throw knives and like jump around the train and like he was very agile and he was one of the best. Like he was almost like an assassin in that sense. He had tattoos all over him. Yeah. And so he dies uh, pretty awesomely, if I can say that. Like, he dies very well, I will say. And then Octavia... It, it is Octavia Spencer, right? Yeah. Okay. So she dies just unexpectedly out of nowhere. That, to me, was one of the more tragic deaths of this movie. Because the whole reason she was there is her kid was taken. And she was like, I'm getting my boy back. And I really wanted her to get her boy back. Even though, I'll be honest, I did not expect it to happen. And then she dies in the sauna. And I was like, well, dadgum. Like, this was... For a little bit, you think Chris Evans is down for the count, too. Because he gets, like, like, knocked out cold. Let's wrap this up and... Maybe go ahead and give it a quick rating. Okay. So, on a scale of... How, are we doing the scale of train movies or apocalypse movies? Let's do on a scale of back of the train to front of the train. <laughs> where where would this movie fall? This, that means this rating only works if you've seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which Let's really, see. honestly, at this point, you really don't want to be in either place. That's, yeah. <laughs> you want um, to be off the train. Before before I rate, I am also going to say, the fact that this entire movie takes place in a train, you have very limited um, sets to work with from a direction standpoint, and I do feel like it was directed and shot very well. Also, I, I do want to mention that, that. Because... Ozzy Osbourne's Crazy Train was not anywhere in the movie. I'm gonna give it a much lower rating. That's as you should. Um, anytime there's a train movie that doesn't have Crazy Train, it's it's. Um, I lost the word, but it is a disappointment. Because I feel like this movie was based solely off of that song. It was a Crazy Train. That's absolutely true. Um, all right, so scale. From back of the train being the worst to front yes. of the train being the best. Or do you want to invert it and say the back of the train was the best? I, w- I think I would say the back of the... In, in this case, the back of the train was probably the best. I would I would agree with that. So I am going to rate it... This wasn't a named car, but like the car literally right next to the back of the train when they had the the four gates in 10 seconds or whatever. Yeah. Like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rate it that. Because I okay. mean, like I like I teased earlier, I feel like this is the best movie people haven't heard of. All right, I'm gonna say probably the slaughterhouse scene. Oh my gosh! With the fish, and that was so. The the slaughterhouse scene was between the food car when they made the protein bars and the water car, right? It was between those yeah. two. Okay. Yep. Okay, I can see it. Yeah, because it it wasn't. I, it wasn't the best movie I've ever seen, but it was definitely a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. Uh, it did not live up to the expectation I had, because like like I texted you a couple of days ago, everyone I know who has seen this movie is like, they swear by it. They're like, this movie is amazing. You have to watch this movie. 
Um, I went into it kind of expecting more of a Neil Blomkamp, a science fiction with very overt political messages. Um, and to an extent, I got that. Um, for In case you don't know, Neil Blomkamp is the guy who did uh, District 9, uh, Elysium, and Chappie. Both, I would say, decent to good sci-fi. Like, all three of them are decent to good sci-fi movies with very overt political messages. Yeah, especially District 9. Mm-hmm. I would say Elysium is the least subtle of all of them talking about healthcare. But again, that is a conversation for another day. But it was not as overtly political as I expected it to be, which was at to it honestly, it was kind of a disappointment. Hmm. Cause I I wanted it to be and it wasn't. So that's another thing to be aware of. But I would rate it I mean, I would give it probably a nine. Yeah, I'd give it a seven. I'd give it a solid seven. So they didn't ask us, rates uh, Snowpiercer, eight. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's definitely worth a watch because it's definitely unlike anything you've probably ever seen. I, I think I'd, it'd be safe to say that. Yeah. But it's, it's pretty good. But yeah, so you can check it out on Netflix and uh, stream it there if you have that. Um, or I'm sure you can probably, if you only have, like you could probably rent it off of Amazon or um i would imagine the app store or google play has it available to rent as well Redbox probably has it too they have a streaming thing i didn't i didn't know that i only knew Redbox as at like the grocery store so yeah they Red, have a man, i need to stop i need to stop can... living in 2014 <laughs> back when this movie was made um you can uh, <laughs> hey <laughs> you can uh stream yeah you can stream movies directly from the redbox app so that's a pretty nice feature so uh i mean if you have if you know you listeners at home in the car wherever you listen to us by the way we appreciate you um but if you have any suggestions something you would want us to watch um you know you can reach out to us i know i'm the one who always does this plug at the end so i'll get into it um if you have any questions comments or concerns you can reach out to us at facebook.com slash they didn't ask us. You can uh, send us an email at they didn't ask us at gmail.com. Or uh, you could leave us an audio message on our anchor.fm profile, anchor.fm slash they didn't ask us. Um, to wrap up, I will say I put on Facebook on my personal page. Uh, if you have any com- if you have any questions, you know, let us know. Uh, Lauren, a good friend of mine, said, I want to know when you... Uh, guessed the ending because she said she guessed it about halfway to two thirds of the way through the movie and uh, regretfully Lauren uh, I have to say I never guessed the ending so I was surprised at the end um, and Meg said what is a snow piercer my, my darling wife um, said what is a snow piercer and um, I, I believe we covered that uh, as well so um, if you would like your question, comment, or concern to be uh, featured on the pod, you can reach out to us in those three ways. Yes, thank you very much, and thank you, listeners, for tuning in for another week. Uh, y'all are awesome. Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Keep listening to us, because we're going to keep giving the content out as long as we possibly can. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> Until next time, nerd out.
Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of They Didn't Ask Us. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, you can reach out to us at they didn't ask us at gmail.com. You can also reach us on our social media. Our newly created Facebook account, facebook.com slash they didn't ask us. While you're there, uh, feel free to like our posts, follow our page, and share our content with your friends. We would love to have you. Check back with us in two weeks to hear more ramblings and opinions from your new favorite podcast.